listening to episode 219 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take our final journey with Joss Whedon's Dollhouse before heading into season two of Travelers. And actually, now that I think about it, that's not true, because it's not our final journey, our final journey for a while. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was about to jump on you for that, but then you, you qualified it. So Yeah. So how's your week been so far? A week, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, you know? all one day. Um, of it. Yeah, <laughs> day. Uh, yeah, I'm just always running around with like you know field hockey and lacrosse and everything this time of year. So yeah, um, yeah, I got to watch my one son play hockey the other night. I haven't actually been able to go because the boys now that Sean's driving, um, you know, he's you know they, they pretty much a lot. Of, take care of themselves driving to practices and sometimes to games. Uh, so Jerry and I haven't been able to really watch uh, them play so much this year. But Dad, don't need you anymore. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Except for when, uh, you know, something needs paying for. Yeah, I was going to say, got any money? <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, you, you know, the one one show, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I just happened to take a look at it because Michael and I are going to talk about it next month in uh, Sci-Fi Fidelity, is, is The Gifted. Have you seen that? I I haven't because I'm actually dumping shows at, at this point um, in my life, not really picking new ones up. It, I mean, it looks good. Like, I see the uh you know the advertisements for it and everything it looks good i just you know it, i don't know i mean i, I maybe i'll maybe i'll check okay so are you Is it good yeah you know the premise right um it's is there something to do with X-Men? Yeah, well, I really don't know the premise. Yeah, I mean, basically, and I've only seen the first episode, so I'm going to watch episode two, maybe later tonight if I get a chance. But like Birds of Prey, or, or at least similar, the premise is that the X-Men have disappeared. So, so it's an alternate timeline where the X-Men are not there, and we don't really even hear about them so far. But these are mutants and society is currently on an anti-mutant kick and you know without going you know too much deeper than that um, i thought it was pretty good unlike in humans i liked everybody immediately and there are a lot of recognizable actors amy acker is one of the leads she's the mother it, it follows a mother and a father who discover that their two children have mutant powers and they didn't they didn't realize it and the father is uh, a prosecuting attorney who specializes in prosecuting mutants ah of course right. oh cruel irony yes so there's a lot of people you'll recognize in it uh, besides amy acker but but i thought was, episode one was done pretty well and and uh my brother is a huge x-men person so he's the one right. that, that pretty much got me to watch those with a little more nudging from you and and you know i enjoyed them all and i think i'm going to keep going with this one for a while and, and you know we'll see how it plays out but so far so good okay cool all right yeah i'm, I'm going the other way i i watched uh, i did give arrow and flash a uh one episode chance and uh you know it just was like you know i'm, I'm done with them okay yeah, so I feel bad. I've been with those shows since the beginning. It's, but you know, instead of continuing on with the relationship that's just not working, Dave, I think we're just going to part ways right here. Yep. 
It's not. It's not me. But I'm still like it. Well, sorry. Go ahead. It's not me. It's you. It's not me, Arrow. It's well, actually, you know, it is you, Arrow. Actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but uh, I still uh, I, I'm still sticking with uh, Legends of Tomorrow though because I still like that one a lot and Supernatural. Uh, you know, we're, we're 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 the old married couple that we've been together so long. I just can't can't live without it can't just don't know what to do even if things aren't always great uh you know we're gonna we're gonna stick it out well supernatural's been doing something right that's all i can say and yeah I, you know that's as i'm watching I'm, that's what i'm thinking i'm like man the show has been on so like like they're getting the gun smoke type numbers here you know um and uh but it's still good you know yeah yeah so all right. Well, if you guys have anything to say about Wayne's dropping, you know, his uh, prior loves and, you know, maybe you've checked it out. Likes. Okay, likes. Maybe you've checked out The Gifted. Do you want to tell us anything else about what we've been saying on the podcast or shows you're watching? Send us an email, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail with the leave voicemail tab. Send us your own audio clip if you want. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, or just join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. So, we are here to talk about Dollhouse Season Two, Episode Two. Interesting episode. I, I'm uh, ambivalent's not the right word. I liked it. I'm just not sure how much it drives the overall narrative. So I'll, I'll leave the, uh, the first salvo up to you, but, but before you, uh, say what you want to say, uh, this one was written by the team of Michelle Fazakis and Tara Butters, who were the co-creators of Reaper. And they also wrote a couple episodes of agent Carter. And then this one was directed by Marita Grabiak, who directed Janestown Firefly Ah. Uh, five episodes of angel two of buffy and the lost episode raised by another which was an episode that was claire centric and and at the time she was certainly one of the the primary characters so you know these two have uh, done a lot of work in the genre field and this aired october 2nd 2009 all right so i said uh, i'll give you the first shot okay well um no i liked it I'm not crazy about shows where there's like kids in danger and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that, that never sits great with me. Uh, and I, and I know that's just me. That's, that's not like really valid, uh, criticism. So I'll, I'll admit that right up front. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. As far as what you said about advancing the storyline, I don't know if it did per se, except that, you know, we see, yeah, we see Echo kind of, um, I don't know if evolving is the right word, or we see Caroline maybe taking over and shooting through a little bit more. Um, I don't know, it's like kind of two episodes in a row where she's kind of glitched a little bit or something, or, or you know, Caroline's kind of poked through. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because one of the, the last things I have in my notes, actually, it is the very last thing. How much of her is Caroline? Or is Caroline irrevocably gone? I mean, we don't know, but but just as you said, you know, whether it's evolving or I don't want to say devolving because that that 
carries you know much more negative connotation than I want to ascribe to this, but but right. but still, um, yeah, I, I I sound. I think I'm a lot like you sound. I, I'm going with a B on this one. I liked it. I thought it was a good episode, but uh, it just wasn't doing it for me to put it in the A range. Yeah. Now, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave my grade for the end because like I, you know, I wrote something down. I was, I, I have a, a range that I'm thinking. Here, okay. You know? So I figured we'd talk it out first and I'd make my final decisions okay. after that. All right. Cause what I usually do when I type up the, uh, the blog post for the uh, website, I put in my grade and then I just put, you know, Wayne and a question mark because I don't know what yours is going to be yet. But it, more often than not, I end up changing mine slightly. But uh, right, I, you I, just got to go back and change and edit stuff, man. Like, right. right. You just wait. Well, there's a lot of subtext here. And I think that's maybe what you were alluding to that, that on the surface, it doesn't seem as if that much happened. But one of the things I did like about this episode was the way it was directed, that the scenes were given a chance to breathe and develop. It wasn't, you know, like we talk, it wasn't a lot of really rapid jump cuts. But this is not Party Girl Echo. So this is not an engagement that's based around sexual, uh, you know, engagements. Right. And as far as far as engagements go, I mean, it's fine because like how much of a hypocrite like am I that we're always like, you know, like how morally I object to all these engagements. But then with this, I'm like, this was such a boring engagement, you know? Well, and, and I think what this episode does speak to is the, the continued moral complexity of, of Dollhouse. And, um, yeah. you know, so if, before we get to that, I, I mean... I like the fact that that we are watching Echo. We know it's an engagement. We, you know, we just came off the wedding episode, so we know it's an engagement. She's apparently married again. So, is this another sting operation? But uh, of course, it's not. Yeah, well, she's breastfeeding. Yes, yes, and that like, because you know, it's we're set up that Topher is saying how he has changed her mind to um, alter her physically. And so, of course, we're like, well, what does that mean? Um, and then we see that she, she's, you know, that she's breastfeeding. So she's lactating. Right. I mean, Ballard's messing around in the imprint room when, when Topher comes in. And, you mean Ballard. Right, right. And he explains what it is he's done that he's made changes on a glandular level that will change the physical body and and i think this is one of those uh moral issues that that we're expected to at least consider because he brings up the possibilities like training the body to fight cancer or developing telekinetic powers i'm like dude i mean that's kind of a wide range there right well and but we're back to Topher, the little kid in the sandbox. Sure. You know, like this is, these are human beings, Topher. I don't know if you realize that, but like he's just so excited about the science of it that like all moral questioning or ethical questions just go out. He doesn't even think about them. Right. But, uh, but I mean, well, he does because he brings up the idea of being able to train the body to fight off cancer, which, look, given everything we see in the show, we'll, we'll you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. And who would argue with 
you know, that use of the dollhouse resources. But then he goes to the other extreme, developing telekinetic powers. And, you know, is that a hint at the apocalypse to come? Because right. if he can do one, who's to say he can't do the other? And like you said, I mean, you know, he's just not mentally stable enough to, you know, be let loose, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, scientific environment. Right, right. And, and this is also, again, where the the club of people who bought the DVD and watched Epitaph 1 realized the greater subtext to this conversation than if you hadn't seen Epitaph 1, you wouldn't get at all, like, what the larger issues he's talking about here. I'm not saying you wouldn't get it all, because probably you just still would see what Topher is talking about, despite his excitement is very dangerous. Um, but, uh, but th- those of us who saw Epitaph one, we kind of know because we know where he's headed. Right. And where the world's headed. And, and he sees himself as a genius and, you know, M- Mr. Ballard, if you want to see me that way, I won't mind. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to use the word genius, but I'd be okay if you'd want to. <laughs> exactly. Kind of a perfect Topher line, Fran Kranz uh, delivering it with aplomb. But, yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned Fran Kranz, and you know, we've really only got, um, I, well, I mean, I guess we see Sierra a little bit, but we don't have Boyd, and we don't have Dr. Saunders. So right. I guess we're supposed to assume he's out looking for her. Uh, you know, because we know that she drove away from the dollhouse at the end of the last episode. And, sure. and, and again, we understand that there is a developing relationship between those two. So the fact that they're both missing in reality, it was probably scheduling conflicts, but you know, who knows? Right. Or just trying to, you know, save some money. Well, that too. All right. <laughs> so uh, we see echo getting out of bed, uh, leaving a man behind and, you know, okay. So is this again a sexually oriented, you know, married, whatever? But then she goes into the baby's room and that don't wake daddy line. And then, when, as you said a, a few minutes ago, she starts actually nursing the child, we're thinking, like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, and, and, and then when yeah. we get that, that exterior shot of the mansion, in which they live. All right, here we go again. And, and to be fair, it, to be able to afford the dollhouse services, you pretty much have to live in yep. one of those kind of places. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, but you can't just put that on the visa. Right. But the husband, you know, seems pretty edgy in the morning. And, yeah. and, and it, it, it seems like an a-hole is what he well, seems like. He, yeah, he does. And, and of course, when we learn you know, what transpired to, you know, lead him to the dollhouse. I think we're a little more sympathetic to, you know, to, you know, the, the way he's yeah. been acting. Slightly, but, you know, we still, I still, I, I should say, I still, you know, condemn these people. Like, so the, in, in a way, like, okay, I get it. His, the, is extremely tragic what happened to him and his family, but the kid's alive. Right. Yeah. And the kid, it's not the kid's fault as, you know, as, as a rational person would, would understand. And, you know, but he's like, 
he seems to me like he was didn't really want the kid so much in the first place you know so instead of like hiring a nanny or something he goes to the dollhouse to come up with this extremely effed up solution to what is going on in his life and then still treats you know echo like like dirt like he forgets that you know they imprinted her with your wife dude so she thinks she's your wife and so when you act like a complete douche uh to her um you know it it's it's not you're really hurting her like as a person as a as a one person hurting another person you know so i don't know well you know i just think people with hang-ups like this guy should not go to the dollhouse for their solutions well i mean look you make some great points there's no doubt and and it takes me back to the episode with pat and oswald which had similar circumstances yet he, right. he treated echo who was playing his wife as if it was somebody that he truly was in love with that that he yeah. he treated but then he went and banged her later though that's you know again it's moral sketchy like that's like it's cute story but no he's gonna end up having sex with her at the end of the night okay so you're not yeah. you're not buying his reasoning that um, I understand that it's my problem. I can't bond with this child because I blame it for my wife's death. All right. Which again, I think we all agree. That's really a horrible attitude to take, but he does recognize that. So then what can I do for my child? Well, is it I throw, throw money at it, right? That's, well, that's like, he, that's the thing that pisses me off about this. But he like doesn't he just, see it. He's going to throw money at the kid. Well, he doesn't see it that way. I mean, but that's what he's doing. Well, okay, but the baby doesn't know any different. The baby just knows that this woman is taking care of me and meeting all of my needs. I mean, look, that's what makes the dollhouse so great. The fact that we're having this discussion and that <laughs> right that, <laughs> uh, that you know I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think maybe I'm you know, maybe a little closer to the center than you are on this, but, but still I, you feel, I I feel bad for the guy. I mean, I feel bad that he's going to now look back at the decision he made and he's going to have to deal with that as well. Well, but I think ultimately for that guy, he, when, when faced with his child having a knife, you know, at, you know, being held by a knife wielding uh, person. Um, I think at the end, when it all comes out to, he's going to be obviously a better parent. Okay, at this point, yeah. at least for a little bit. Yeah, now, I think he's. I think ultimately he's still going to be a shitty dad. Um, but, but at least at this point, he has come to care for the kid and want to protect the kid, and, and is going to now you know, man up and, and, and take care of his child. Right. Instead of being, you know, like just, you know, handing him off or, or, you know, hiring out. He, I mean, he's still obviously going to need hired help. You know, there's no question about that. And not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with hiring people to help with your kids. Like loads of people do it. Like, you know, in this day and age where two parents work, you need to do it. Right. But, um, emotionally now he's finally, cares for the kid which he didn't before right like he couldn't give two craps about the kid before 
until the kid underwent like the threat, and now he does care for the kid. Right, and I thought that was a great scene where we really have that point driven home in, in a, I mean, I think a, a pretty endearing way when he's trying to make the bottle for the baby. <laughs> he smells it. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you know, welcome to fatherdom. But right. there, there are a couple things that, that bother me, though, about the episode. And these are little things, but they're really not. Because, you know, we've seen DeWitt through, you know, a full season and the beginning of this season. And she doesn't leave things to chance. So the fact that, well, well she clearly actually, does. we've seen her do that. Yeah, we've seen her do it actually a couple times now, right? Well, and here she has the black vans now maybe we blame the handlers for this you know maybe they were told to stay out of sight but for whatever reason she notices them which then sets her on the path to thinking her husband's having an affair breaking into his desk finding the pictures and you know that that you know now on the other hand the fact that her friend is sierra who obviously we know is part of the dollhouse is all of this factored in. I mean, that seems pretty uh, dangerous to, yeah. to, to let it get that far, but well, to, to let it get, to let what get that far, to, to let it get to the point where echoes thought process is that her husband's having an affair. Oh, and, right, and, right. And she's right. going to do something about it. And it, and it all, you know, stems, you know, well, in part from the black van, but also from her husband's attitude that I I find it difficult to believe DeWitt didn't prep this guy. You have to treat her as if she is your wife, because from her perspective, she is your wife. She is the baby's mother. She's not pretending she is. Yeah. Yeah. But he can't, he can't do that. No. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she she goes in, go ahead. Nah, 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 nah. All right. good, good. Well, you know, he comes in and finds her again for the second week in a row. She's not very good at at breaking into. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I was saying like this is the second week in a row she's broken into a desk. I'd say does she not learn her lesson? But I guess when you have your mind wiped, you know, every every so often, uh, you you can't really learn your lessons, right? Right. But I I did like the fact that you know he comes home, she's sitting in his office in the dark, and. Yeah. He explains it, you know, in part, and then his line, this was all a terrible mistake, and I know you're thinking like, you think? And and I'm I'm wondering what he's referring to, and, and, you know, again, in retrospect, just engaging the dollhouse, uh, you know, with with this uh, woman playing his wife, but we do learn that he was distraught saw it as something he felt he had to do right or wrong. And, and, you know, I, you know, we've talked about how, uh, you feel, but then the other thing, you know, she hears him talking on the phone, telling somebody it's not working out. It's like, dude, was this not all explained to you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So then we haven't seen this Senator. I forget the guy's last name. But yeah, I forget too. yeah, but but he's talking to his wife about some anecdotal evidence that he has about the Rossum Corporation, 
And she suggests proving money laundering, right? Which is, I guess, going back to the Al Capone theory. All right, you can't get him for all the murders and all that. Let's get him for tax evasion. Sure. But he knows or at least senses that Rossum has crossed the line. And he understands, or again, or at least he thinks he understands that Rossum is keeping people quiet. And then, of course, the doorbell rings and some files are left on the steps. Now, Again, in retrospect, I, I guess we won't spoil this one, so we'll we'll, we'll let this one go. But obviously, we know, uh, you know, some things about this incident that that will occur down the road. So we'll we'll just leave it at that. But but the whole idea that you know the government and government ethics, I still feel certain the government is somehow involved in the dollhouse more than just protecting it. So the fact that there's a Senate investigation or that that this senator's trying to push one just tells me, okay, you're not in on the uh, inner circle. So, mm-hmm. you know, for you, uh, you know, it is what it is. But always great to see Melly or Madeline. Yep. And, not Madeline. Not and, not. and when we talk about, you know, what is this episode really about from a thematic perspective? And I and I think Melly's appearance is one of those key points we're we're really supposed to look at because she goes to see Dewitt. She looks great. She's I'm sorry. Dewitt goes to see her. She's looking great. She has a great space that she's living in. She says, "I never thought I'd be among the idle rich." Dewitt's pressing her about her love life, but we immediately understand that Madeline's under no misapprehension about what she's done to get this. She knows right. she signed her life sure. away to the dollhouse. And, right. And, and oh, sorry, you're, 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 and she's perfectly comfortable with having done it. In fact, she sees it as having helped her so that are we supposed to then perhaps consider that what the dollhouse does for people like her and by extension the the guy in tonight's episode i mean how is it any different and i know what you're going to say how is it any different than a doctor prescribing drugs to help somebody cope with trauma and you know emotional issues okay well when the doctor prescribes drugs do strangers have sex with them so then maybe a little bit different than yes maybe Okay, and and that's something that I brought up a a number of times that we don't know what DeWitt tells these people about the kinds of engagements they might be going on. I I assume she was open with them because Melly seems like, you know, Melly has like the kind of the the hardened veteran uh, attitude, you know, like like she's been through some stuff or she knows, she doesn't even know what she's been through. That's the thing, right? Yeah. But she knows she's been through some stuff. She knows her body was a playground for Rossum for the, the what the three years that she was you know under their care so to speak. Um, so, so I I feel like yes, um, you know the doll dollhouse definitely has like full disclosure. Here's what's going to happen while you are, you know, while you are part of this. But here's what's going to happen when you're done. You know. Right. And, and she's 
fully aware that she was let out of her contract years early, which leads to suspicion on her part, understandably so. So we wonder what she remembers. You know, I mean, we see what Echo is able to remember. We wonder if there's anything, you know, in in Madeline's memory. I I don't think so, because you think she would probably, if she had anything rattling around in there, you have to think that Ballard would be uh, one of those things, you know? Well, and they they have the exchange where, you know, she says, you look familiar, I think I know you or whatever. But I, I just can't lose the feeling that maybe she's just playing with them. Maybe she really does remember. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't get that feeling, you know. I, like they said, I don't, I don't remember season two. That I don't, I don't remember well enough that to what happens down the line. But um, you know, from watching this, I get the feeling that she really doesn't remember Paul at all, and I, I, I got no notion that she was retaining anything from before. But this, that she knew what she must have gone through like she doesn't remember it obviously but she just imagines i guess what actually happened okay while she was there okay now you know back to you know echo and the events that are taking place at the house i have to believe that some of the personalities that have been imprinted into echo are still there enabling her to I mean, essentially use some pretty elaborate survival skills. I mean, she takes that emergency ladder, is able to take the baby, probably take a few yeah, things for the baby. That was, that's that that yeah, but kind see, of yeah, but see why I'm okay with that is because look at all the things that that Echo has done over her time at the dollhouse. So that, you know, some of these survival instincts, I mean, that that doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for me. So I'm okay with that. Um, I just think getting down that dodgy ladder with a kid in tow that, I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying with as much of a haste that she was in, I don't know. Okay. Well, Nate is clearly thinking like I've been thinking because he's talking to DeWitt and he says, your zombie took my Jack and you're sitting there drinking tea. And I'm again. What is it with Dewitt and her tea? It, it to me, it's She's more. British. I get that, but I, I don't know. And it's it's like those little green cups that she always has whenever she has somebody in her office. Uh, I don't know. There's there's something there, but you know. So she, so she you know is explaining to him what he as a tea drinker, Dave. As I know you are, I understand. Could, I, I assume that you would you would uh, you know kind of sympathize a little bit here. Okay, but. I love when she's talking to the female detective because because she finds a policeman on the street, which of course we think is going to simply be uh, you know another dollhouse employee posing as a policeman, but but that's not in fact what it was. But she says the person I knew isn't there anymore; he's been replaced by a stranger, and I'm thinking like, how perfect is that, right? Yeah, the act of right. yeah thinks the real person is you know the zombie so to speak yeah 
Right. But then obviously she sees her husband and Ballard talking to the to the captain and you know, she's of course led away screaming. But we're also introduced to the whole idea of, of the diagnostic evaluation, and, and that's why Madeline eventually comes in to meet with Topher and asks her if she wants any enhancements on the house. And we're thinking like, okay, first of all, this woman does not need any enhancements. She's beautiful, as we've right. said many times. Uh, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But do you remember what he mentions as a possibility? I don't. Ventriloquist. Oh, oh yeah, ventriloquist. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, my first reaction is that's just Topher being Topher. Uh, you know, not unlike the I can cure cancer or give you telekinetic powers. But, you know, what does a ventriloquist do but, you know, speak, you know, speak through someone else, which is kind of what they're doing at the dollhouse. I don't know if he's really making that connection. But while she's there, they bring in the screaming Echo who didn't respond to the offer of a treatment, which in and of itself is kind of a a problem. But Madeline witnesses the scene. What is she thinking at this point? You know, and what, how did she get cut on the head? You know, do, do, do you remember what I'm talking about? Um, She's bleeding and, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. But, yeah. um, but she tells him because she f- understands what's going on. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the reality of the dollhouse is not lost on her. And she tells Ballard that, well, she'll forget about the baby. No more pain, no more grief. And that's when we learn Madeline's story that her daughter died of cancer. And, you know, we learn that Ballard, I'm sorry, we learn that DeWitt came to her. And that's something we raised in, in the first season discussions. How does the dollhouse make the connection with these people? I mean, do they have somebody that's out there, you know, looking for possible candidates yeah well because like again i mean they find people who are vulnerable people who are susceptible to the dollhouse's you know sales pitch so to speak hey but i mean what do you do do you have somebody yeah you know, I, keeping I an know. eye on the yeah, children's right. cancer ward or i don't know yeah 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 they have it seems like they have pretty good surveillance techniques anyway you know so but yeah, you're right. I, 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 I honestly, it's just one of those things that they probably never even intended to try and answer that at all. Right. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but it's just like, you know, just kind of accept it, right? That they find these people somehow, okay. that they're a super powerful, super wealthy organization and, uh, and they can pretty much do whatever they want, I guess, is which we've seen before with the, in, uh, was it Epitaph One, right? The guy who, uh, the head of Rossum, who is, you know, uses someone else to owes, oh, uh, right. uses uh, Victor's body. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. But Ballard I, apparently, you know, is thinking along the lines of the way you think. He's surprised that Madeline appears perfectly comfortable with her decision to sign the contract. And, right. you know, I think, like you said a couple minutes ago, we have to assume that, you know, DeWitt. You know, it was full disclosure on her, her part, and 
you know, we'll go from there. So this is my favorite scene. I almost don't see how this can't be everybody's favorite scene. Echoes in Topher's chair, asks him to help her. And then, you know, we, we see all her imprints flash. Topher looking a little bit uneasy as she comes up out of her wipe. And when he, you know, runs the verbal script, she slugs him. Should I go now? <laughs> I'm like, perfect. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Um, so I, it, this is really the point where I start thinking about the, the title of the episode, right? Because it's called Instinct. And Topher was saying how this maternal instinct, how she's bonded with the baby is beyond what he handles, right? Sure. So why does he think putting her in the machine is going to get rid of that, right? He, so he erases the personality, but he doesn't erase that instinct. Right. You know? And like, like I think what you're getting at is how – how has he not figured that out already? I mean, it, it, the instinct has to be built into the brain somehow. So what? He can't find the instinct on the the brain map he's got on his screen. I, I that's an interesting question. But uh, you know that that I guess one of the again another one of the takeaways is that no matter what he does, and I think this was Ballard that said this a few episodes back that at the core the person's you know you know soul or whatever just cannot be wiped and of course right. Topher disagrees with him at the time but right but but we've seen you know i mean this is like the you know all gets back to caroline right, right. And which we've seen like they can't get rid of her and i think we see that in this episode yeah, right because sure. i think we you know we talk about that maternal instinct where she feels the need to go back and get the baby and protect it. But I think this instinct that is Caroline in Echo is also something that she can't get rid of because I think Caroline does the right thing. You know, Caroline ends up giving the baby back to the dad. Exactly. You know? And and then just walks right past them. Right. And, and I, I just thought that was a perfect way to to end that sequence and then we see her talking to ballard and she tells him not only does she remember all her engagements but that she feels them that that they've become part of her and that whole line that it's not pretend for me well we understand that i mean that's been dewitt's mantra from the start but we understand echo at this point means much more than what dewitt was referring to so, right. um, and then they make it so real every time. Why do they do that? And then he reminds her and us that his plan is still to bring down the dollhouse, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then she, you know, feeling nothing would be worse. Like before I'm awake now, I don't want to go back to sleep. And, and, and of course, like we, we talked, uh, I guess earlier, who are we talking to here? I mean, is this Caroline? Is this Echo? Is this somebody totally new? Is this a new person that's resulted from all of these things that, that Topher has done to her? Right. I, I think that what you just said last is that's what we have, right? 
the new person, but I think that new person is Caroline evolved. Yeah. You know, it's essentially Caroline. Caroline is still basically handling the moral reins of, of this new individual, but, but yeah, but this, this new person is composed of so many personalities and everything. And that final shot from behind is Ballard and Echo are sitting next to each other on, on that park bench. And, you know, it, it, what is he thinking as he talks to her? Because he's got to be thinking what we're thinking. Who am I really talking to? And, you know, what's her state of mind at this point? And, and, and the fact that he trusts her as much as he does pretty bold move on his part because he knows you know the kind of hell that DeWitt can come can bring raining down sure. on him if it, sure well and I, I, he he brought that hell up himself uh last episode right sure where he purposefully got her to access those you know darker places um i think Ballard is just, like I, you know, again as far as like knowing what he's doing I don't think that's really been a thing at all this series but I think he does trust that deep inside that that Caroline is kind of holding on to the core of this body and that you know and that she is so he, his I think his trust is in Caroline okay you know wherever she is that he feels that she's in there and he trusts her and so therefore Okay. So, you know, I, I, as far as the episode goes, I mean, I'm going to stick with my B because, you know, I, I think on the one hand, I mean, number one, you know, I'm looking at the timer as we're recording and I don't know that there's really anything else we need to talk about, which, you know, then right. by extension, you know, in terms of analyzing what we have, there just wasn't all that much to analyze, which, you know, is fine. It is what it is. But given where we are at this point, and look, this is television. This is serialized television. At this point, Joss Whedon doesn't know whether he's going to get a season three or, you know, has no idea, again, how long he's got to tell his story, which is clearly problematic. But, you know, that said, you know, we see a lot from uh, you know, Ballard's character, uh, obviously from uh, Echo, to a certain extent, Topher, and, and as you mentioned, the precursor, you know, the first few steps that, that lead to what we saw in Epitaph 1, and, you know, whether that's the reality or just one possible, we don't know at this point. But then also Olivia Williams, uh, DeWitt character, that I guess I've always liked her character a lot, but you know, in the same way we talk about Topher's arrogance, she, it's just really hitting home for me more than it has to this point. So I don't know any, anything else that, that we want to mention well, about. This okay. One? So here's just the one thing. Okay. And this is where, again, um, I just have problems really getting into DeWitt still at this point, because, you know, this is kind of like the tragedy of of the dolls, where you know Echo says or Caroline says or you know whoever uh, they made me love my little boy and then they took him away. 
they make it so real. Right? Yeah. And so it's all well and good for like a Melly who can just, I don't remember any of it. I'm just living large. I have tons of money. I'm part of the idle rich. Well, great. But not so great for Caroline because she remembers it all. And, you know, it's just, you know, what they do to these, to the, the, the dolls, you know, like they just treat them like they're not even, like they're things, like they're not human, you know. And granted, yes, this is, uh, you know, we saw again this episode, it's something that they uh, agree to, being of sound mind and body. Uh, they're obviously, the dollhouse finds people who are vulnerable, and they're at low places and more likely to be receptive to them, but still, the people do make the decision. But yet, it just seems like it's just so awful yeah what they do well you know i i guess the other thing that i think we we can consider here i know you don't watch van helsing but the the main character vanessa she truly is the other i mean there are outsiders within you know the context of van helsing but she is the other there is no one else like her and I'm starting to wonder whether that's what we're supposed to take from Echoes. I mean, that Echo is special. I mean, we've heard that how many times? Sure. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Alpha, his specialness was the result of an accident. I mean, he was, I mean, he was a a psychotic murderer to begin with, but, you know, you know, the Alpha that, that went on the rampage was you know, the result of that accident, but, but not so with echo, there was no accident with echo. Right. So again, she is special. And the fact that they recognize that I'm not sure if that's, you know, you know, a good thing, the way DeWitt lets things plays out or a bad thing, but mm. makes for some good television. Yes, it does. So, all right. So I'm sticking with a, uh, I, th- I, I gave it, I I gave it like a B plus A minus before. Okay. But I think you've maybe talked me down a little bit to the B. Okay. A good solid B. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. So all right, one one thing before we sign off, because you know, and you mentioned it tonight, and you've certainly mentioned it uh, a number of times over the uh, years. Uh you know, your uh the way you feel about children placed in danger, you know, you know, in television shows. So I'm assuming you have not watched Stranger Things. No, yeah, I've seen Stranger Things. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. I did, I'm the one who told you about Stranger Things. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and well, okay, long, long story short, uh, we watched the entire season this past weekend, so. Yeah, how'd uh, you like it? I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great, isn't it? It's not really what I thought it was going to be, which w- was was a good thing. But uh, yeah, and, and fortunately, don't we don't have to wait long for season two because it's just uh, well, October twenty seventh. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't have to wait long now, right? Yeah. But I, yeah, I watched uh, the first season last summer. Sure. So I've been waiting forever. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for the next season to come out. But but yeah, you're you're. I mean, I, I've said it a number of times. I'm not comfortable with it. But like anything, I don't use it as a a you know immediate judging thing and the kids in stranger things are kids who can in in some way they can handle themselves sure. right it's it's and i mean I've, i'm not saying anything 
revelatory when I say that it harkens back to all those movies from the 80s with kids going out and following some mystery or trying to solve mystery like you know like stand by me or the goonies and and whatnot um and so i mean that that's really the 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 main thing of of why you know like i I, there's just this moment in stranger things and i was like i mean it takes place in the 80s in the first place so automatically i'm there um i'm about the same i'm the same age as these kids i think maybe i'm a little bit older than you know what these kids would be if you know if they were actually like was it nineteen eighty? I think it's eighty five or something like that. No, I think it's eighty three. Oh, so I'm, yeah. okay. So I'm I'm like pretty much the same age as as these kids, right? So I'm right there with them, you know. And uh, while obviously you know the the stuff they go through, your your concern for them, um, you know, really it, it's like watching those movies back in the eighties, where you just like you know you just like hey kid power you know we could we could do things the adults could do we could go out on our bmx bikes and we could solve mysteries and and take care of things even better than the adults can so yeah and you've already gone on it. you've already gone on record as saying you made your little 20 sided dice pouch so yes <laughs> i did that uh, all right hey but you just mentioned it one of the things that mary questioned was the bikes that they were riding. She felt that uh-huh. they were not uh, period no, correct. They are accurate. They are super accurate. Okay. I, I, I was loving it. Those bikes. I was just like, oh my God. Okay. Cause that she, is awesome. Cause she thought they were, you know, from an earlier period, but you know, she has younger brothers. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's her confusion, but uh, all right, well, we'll leave it at, at that. So, all right. We want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear what you think about anything going on in genre television. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. Email Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Access uh, the SpeakPipe tab through the website if you want to leave us a voicemail. And we'll be back next week to talk about Season 2, Episode 1 of Travelers, titled Ave Machina. But until then... Uh, nice Yo, Dave. The human mind is like Van Halen. If you pull out one piece and keep replacing it, it just degenerates. And you knew I was going to use that quote.